0: Hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Saul. We may get an old school Brock and Salk argument coming up at eight thirty this morning, so stick around for that. Nine o'clock, get back to some football. Before we do any of it, though, Brock, we are two days away from training camp, and so it is time. Without any further ado, to start an old Brock and Salk favorite, we will count down. The top 25 most intriguing Seahawks. Now, intriguing doesn't mean this is not the best Seahawks. Mm -hmm. This is not the guys that are most important or vital or irreplaceable, which we've looked at in the past. This is the most intriguing stories around those guys. People you got to see. People you have questions about. People who could change the team depending on how they perform. Mm. People that are in some way intriguing. Number 25. Number 25 on this list. The first guy on this list is Drew Locke. Oh. 25 on paper, number one in my heart still. <laughs> I know how much you love Drew Locke. Yes. He's on this list uh not because of what he did last year because obviously he barely played if he didn't at play all. I mean, he didn't get Gino on the took field every snap. So there was no Drew Lock to watch last year. But the fact that Geno did play every snap last year tells me that the odds are against him being able
1: to do it again Mm. this year. Kind of like the Mariners starting pitchers. Kind of. You just kind of knew going into this year that this doesn't, it now works that usually there's going to be some injury. Now you hope to avoid significant injury, and the Mariners have not been able to do that. Robbie Ray with the Tommy John, and I don't know. Do you hear anything about Marco Gonzalez? We talked to Jerry about
0: him on Thursday,
1: and he said he's still not throwing. Yeah, so it feels like you may be done. For the, for the year as well With yeah. both of those guys So for somebody to take Every single snap As Geno did Well that meant The Seahawks were competitive
0: But the odds are Against a quarterback Being able to do that Year after year We saw Russell do it For a long time We've seen Favre do it I mean like Peyton Manning did it for yep. a long time, but it's rare. Yes. Usually quarterbacks end up getting hurt at some point, And so who backs up Geno Smith is actually kind of an important question. Pete saying at the end of last year that they really wanted Drew Locke back because of his mindset.
2: I you, you, know, you would ask because we just had a chance. Uh, you know, guys are they're, they're speaking to the team, you know, the individual guys on the offensive side and sharing their stories a little bit their background as we get to know each other. And when both those guys had their chance to present, it was, it was almost like remarkably consistent connection that they have. You know, they, they really understand each other. They really uh, have great respect for one another. Um, and they're battling. And uh, where he, like Drew would look at it like, you know, maybe uh, Gino looked at it last year kind of, you know. He, he, he's, he's ready to play. And, and he's just waiting for his opportunity. He's going to go for it. And, and Gino ain't letting it happen.
0: He made a point, it sure felt like, throughout all of last year. To mention Drew Locke every time he mentioned Geno Smith, right? Maybe that's just about competition, and maybe it's about you know just sort of that Pete Carroll mindset of hey, we don't just have one quarterback the way we used to with Russell Wilson, and he's trying to make that change and make it obvious. But we asked him, hey, why do you always mention Drew Locke when you're talking about Geno Smith?
2: He's, I think he's really good, and, and he's shown us that he's an exciting uh, has an exciting future. And uh, I, I, you know, many times have probably put it in in the light that, that he's growing too, and he's going to be really good when he gets his chance. And we'll we'll have just as many opportunities to make plays when he's on the field. We see it every day. I mean, he battles every day against our first defense, and you know, competes to try to beat their tails every day, and it's it's great to see, and he's developing in ways that that uh, it just takes time, and, and so if if he's fortunate enough to. to capture the time in similar fashion that the Gino has he's going to be a terrific player
1: he's a talented dude man like we spent a lot of time talking about these QB prospects right and this last draft class I had some very intriguing guys and I was just reading last night that Anthony Richardson is going to split reps with Gardner Minshew and maybe by week eight or nine depending on how the season goes the ball is going to be in, in his court in his hands you know, Drew is Drew is not Anthony Richardson. He's not that freakish, but he is very athletic. He's got a tremendously loose arm. He would be like a pitcher that throws in the mid to upper 90s. Like he he's got that kind of kind of arm strength. And there's there is intrigue with that. The problem was last year the preseason was brutal. I mean, it was a competition until it wasn't. And the game he was supposed to start, he had COVID, if you remember. I think that was Lewis Riddick on the call of that game against the Bears and didn't get to. And then he played the last game and had had picks and just didn't see the field and the game. It just felt like, well, again, analogous to a pitcher with the game just speeding up on him. Like you just didn't get to feel his stuff because he does have stuff. And what would you rather have? And the Seahawks have decided, what would we rather have? Would we rather drafted Levis in the second round or take one of these guys in the third or fourth round? Or do we want somebody that, like Gino, has been through some some background, has been through some up and down and has built hopefully a, a thicker skin and and some maturity along the way, watching others do it. You know, got thrown in there in Denver early, performed pretty well as a rookie. Saw coaches fired, coordinator fired, new coordinator in, the mess of the situation, COVID. You know, I, I was talking to Damon about this last night, actually, and just those kids in Sam's recruiting class at Washington. I think there were eighteen signees, and it was a talented class. There were a lot of really four-star local guys. There's five left mm. out of the whole class. Like what COVID did in that time frame of just the lack of development and just being locked out and away from teammates and away from that mm. that that growth potential. And when you look at Drew, you know, not that he's going to make that excuse, but. You know, comes in the league, does those things and then kind of COVID hits and it's a weird environment and you're not developing and you're not getting to form relationship and you're not growing and you're just stagnant, if not going backwards. And for many, they went backwards. And and yeah, for, for him, I know he was thrilled that the Seahawks were interested in bringing him back. Do you think Drew Locke ever makes it as a starting quarterback in the NFL? After Geno Smith last year, I can never say never on anybody. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, right. Where was Geno? Who was it more addressed in one of your emails? Like where where Geno was ranked going into last behind season? Behind Drew Locke. By Madden? Like Outside the top 32. 65th. Not even at the top 32. Like he was. 65th at his position. In his position. Like that's third string. Like there's, like, I can do the math. 32 starters, 32 backups. So he was rated by those guys as a third stringer. That's where I would have put him. Well, and would you say Drew Locke's more athletically gifted than Gino? Yeah.
0: You just can't seem to not make poor decisions. Yeah, I mean when it comes to just <laughs> running
1: and jumping and agility and that loose arm and everything else, Gino's more accurate. Let me let me and say more this. anticipatory. Let me ask you
0: this. Will Drew Locke factor into the Seahawks record this season? Because I think he will. That's why he's on this list for me. I think he has to start
1: at least one game this year. Or even just come into a second half of a game, right? Just any any of these circumstances. Just, my my that- gut
0: just tells me it's going to be real hard for Gino to stay healthy for 17 full games after being healthy for 18 of them last year. I just I think the odds are against 35 straight starts mm-hmm. and playing every snap for any quarterback. It's not a Geno Smith thing. It's just any quarterback. And if that's the case, Drew Locke is up next. So what he does in practice, yep. whether or not he can command the huddle, whether or not he can make decisions, whether or not he can maintain control of the ball, yep. those things are going to be hugely yes.
1: important because yeah. one or two well. games with this team. That's probably their margin for error, and his improvement in the preseason will be a very intriguing storyline. The number twos that he's going to be running with should be a little better than the number twos last year. Just another growth development of, of of the whole team and some of the receivers he's going to get in the running back that's going to be behind him and the tight ends and 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 hopefully another year in this system of Shane's system too. Which he's not had a lot of, he's not had a lot of stability. He's not been in the same place with the same system back to back years. So his preseason performance, not that you ever kind of like spring training one, just jump all in on preseason performance, but it'll be key and it'll be critical that he is better, that he's more efficient, that he takes care of the football, that he anticipates. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's the thing about QB play, too. Like, wow, how, how does he compare to Gino and physical traits and all this? Yeah, but what about your anticipation and your accuracy? Because those two things, Gino won the job and won it in a big way last well, year. Well, and
0: those are my concerns, and that's why I've never you know fully bought in on Drew Locke or any of that. But I would like to see you know what it looks like and whether he's been able to make some of the same progress behind mm. the scenes that Gino made last year. We didn't see it in in
1: practices. We didn't really see it in training camp, in uh, minicamp, yep. but maybe training camp will be a did right there, by the way, and Justin. You see what they did? If we're going to do this every day at 8, they know we got a break on time. Yeah. So that bed is just a certain, it just <laughs> a certain length. Oh, oh it just uh, ends. And
0: then, I, we have to give Howdy credit for that one,
2: I think, because I'm using the
1: same Oh, thing. really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't give Howdy credit. No, we don't have to give him credit There's really no reason
0: for that <laughs> at all, more I promise. Well, tell you what, Howdy's going to like your take at 830. Yeah, I don't think I agree with it, but we'll dig in in 20 minutes right after everything you need to know next. Need to know.
1: 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
0: Here's what you need to know. Up first. Was it a good weekend for the Mariners in some ways? Yeah, of course. They won two out of three games. Two of the most exciting wins of the season. Come from behind on Friday. Come back and forth. Crazy game. In some ways, game of the year on Saturday in front of a packed house at home. But just when they start to get that momentum going, it seems they just give it right back. And that's what happened on Sunday. Jumped out to a 2-0 lead early. Gave it back late. Had an opportunity in the ninth.
2: 4-3 Toronto. The pitch. Fly ball, left field. Going back is Merrifield. Towards the corner, makes the catch. Toronto wins the ball game 4-3.
0: For the win, air ball. I mean, it just kind of has that same sense to it. That's a winnable game yesterday, and I don't mean to focus on the negative. There were a lot of positives, and Scott was fairly positive about the home stand, or at least the last three games of it. But unfortunately, every time it seems like this team has a chance to kick itself in a gear, they find a way to just get stuck in
1: third. Game one hundred tonight in Minnesota. This will be game one hundred. This was a home stand, the longest of the season, coming off the All Star break, and all the juice and all the energy that was in the place that you needed to go seven and three, six and four, seven and three. I mean, seven and three would have been great. Eight and two would have been amazing. You've been if you if you got eight and two on this homestead, you would be within like a game and a half of the wild card, if not better than that. But five and five has just been who you are. You have just been stuck right on that five hundred nearly all season. Couple games below, couple games above. Now you go to Minnesota. Don't find yourself down in the late innings. That that monster that comes in throwing Lord. 104 at the end of it, these two teams that are built so similar that split their four-game series in this last homestand, they'll get three tonight, starting tonight. I, I don't understand
0: yeah. how Duran is a real
1: thing. Yeah. Seriously, like I watched that guy pitch and hit 105. I
0: don't understand how that's real. You, it doesn't seem like that should be. Like, he seems like AI. Yeah. <laughs> like, they've created something with AI, yes. and he comes in to get you out in the ninth inning. Mariners fall back to eight and a half in the division. Uh, after getting it to seven and a half on Saturday, they're four and a half out in the wild card. As Brock just said, they go to Minnesota, then Arizona. 440 afternoon start today with Luis Castillo on the hill. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, we got two more days before training camp, but it is now right around the corner. Seahawks taking a big step in their quest for another playoff appearance. Do I think this team can make the playoffs? Yes. Do I think this team can win a Super Bowl? I'm still having a hard time envisioning how that goes down this year. So there's still some building element to mm-hmm. it and still some opportunity for growth. It's not going to be at the quarterback spot where Geno Smith has nailed down this job after a great season last year. And you could see the difference in the off-season workouts where Geno was very much in control.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, he has been a, a really positive influence on the other guys. He's been—he's so determined, and he, I mean, he's—he's got—he's got his eye on uh, on the ball the whole way now, and, and uh, he's been so consistent and available, and, and the messaging is so solid. It's like you know, you, you, everybody needs to come along with him. He's going, you know, and and uh, it's just been such a remarkable thing to watch. You know, the way he's taken over and the, the opportunity, and how he commanded it so well last year, and and he has handled the the success and he's handled the pro bowl and the off season and and all the hype and all of that. And and how he's answered it is with great work.
1: I think a lot of the players and coaches really enjoyed the last three weeks off. (laughs) I think that guy has been bouncing off the walls. And Glenn is like, "Uh, Pete, go, go to work, please. You know, he, he told us as much, right. Getting ready for like the first team meeting in OTAs how hes wired like vibrating oh wired and and he's built for this and this is his kind of team you know in spring training you've taught me over the years that competition in baseball is not always a great thing that you want to have your guys locked in that incentivization and you know pressure and and, and putting too much on it and trying too hard not healthy concepts when it comes to baseball competition in football uh, for that guy for the ringleader who wrote a book about it that's a really good thing and this team is loaded with competition throughout numerous position groups. This is really fun. <laughs> Here's the third thing you need to, to know. Never know that was it never does it?
0: pretty awesome. (laughs) Speaking of really fun, it was great watching the Open Championship or the British Open, however you choose to say it, over the weekend. Things just look great in that Link style golf. It's different from what we see week after week in the PGA Tour. If only, Brock, there were some sort of a course around Mm. the United States that's hosted a major championship where they could put a regular tour stop and play Link style golf. Mm. Hmm. Maybe in the greater university place area. I don't know. Congratulations to who Cecily calls the hair man, Brian Harmon, who uh, wins his first major championship by six strokes. Your mind falter.
3: Like, you know, maybe I'm not winning again. I'm 36 years old. Game's getting younger. All these young guys coming out, you know, hit it a mile, and they're all ready to win. Like, when is it going to be my turn again? It's been, it's been hard to deal with. I mean, I, I, I think someone mentioned that I've had more top 10s more times than anyone since 2017 so that's a lot of times like where you get done you're like i had that one it just didn't happen for whatever reason so yeah to to come out and put a performance like that together like start to finish you know just just had a lot of control i I don't know why this week but i'm very thankful that it was this week
1: Three million reasons to be thankful, to yeah, no kidding. Three million bones he went for winning the uh, the Open Championship, as the Brits like to say. Uh, golf is not a game of bigger, stronger, faster. And he is the poster boy for that. He is the most unassuming guy that you would see on the street and you would say, no, he's the furthest thing from anything athletic. But kudos to him. Uh, a, a, a great tournament throughout start to end, as you said. Went to bed with big leads twice and was able to come out and perform and get it done. Uh, by the way, anything happened in the Pac-12? The what now? Uh, the Pac 12, the Media Days Friday. Mora. I appreciate your efforts. Thank you so much for all the time you spent cutting some amazing sound. I got from, some sound from your from guy, George, Georgie. Here you go.
3: I don't consider it frustrating. Uh, it's a reinforcement for me of. Um, what, what dedicated and passionate fans we have and how much people care about college athletics. And I, I get it. And at the same time, I don't want uh, the opportunity to be missed today to talk about football. If it, We're not announcing a media deal on purpose today because I want the focus to be on football. All right. well, That's everything you, know. just, you need to know.
1: It's just, it's just not, 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 not going to be that way. <laughs> it can't be that way. You don't
0: make those rules. Being a commissioner must be the strangest job. You just get paid to say things that you know are completely false. Yeah. In every sport, in every, every commission, that seems to be their job. Go out there and just lie. Just take arrows. <laughs> what just, a crazy game! Just gig. take
1: all those arrows. They make good money, though. They do. They do. But that's not a, not enviable... So he was asked about the media deal, right? Yeah. And he tried to just say, well, we're here to talk about the quarterback. And that's yeah. such a bummer because the, the quarterbacks this year in this conference are unbelievable. Well, the his failure to get a deal done means you can't talk about those guys. Yep. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. And I think well, this is. And the,
0: a, and the best of those quarterbacks is on a team that's leaving for another conference.
1: That's true, too. So
0: while they are in the Pac 12, I mean, not yep. for long. I mean, this is Correct. the last year there. Correct. So I don't know, man.
1: That's a. I do think this is a big situation. week from everything I've heard about. Like, if they're not going to do it before and they don't get a deal done before, they don't get a deal done on the day. This is a fairly, fairly large week before these colleges, like the NFL, get it going on the field. All right, Brock, every
0: night we uh, send each other an email with Justin and Mora. And last night you sent something that when I read it, first of all. It was emotional. Love the emotion. It was irrational. Love the passion. It was passionate. I think it's a terrible idea, but it's next.
2: This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio.
0: Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle
1: Sports app.
0: Just a couple days to go. Uh, about a week before the baseball trade deadline. My favorite day in the sports calendar. I love it. I love the idea of the trade deadline. I love that it forces you to make a decision. And I agree with what Jason Churchill has said recently that the trade deadline is one of really two opportunities you have to make roster changes for your team. There's only a couple. Basically, the trade deadline in the off season, around the winter meetings, et cetera, that's when most deals get done, when most moves get made, outside of the draft, et cetera. This is when you have an opportunity to change the, the way your roster is built. And with about what, seven or eight days to go here before that trade deadline, the Mariners continue to make themselves a very confusing read for their president
1: of baseball operations. Are they a buyer or are they a seller? I mean, what 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 have what have they shown you through now ninety nine games? So tonight, the hundredth game, right? Then there's no longer. I mean, the the light is there. The end of the tunnel. August is right around the corner. It's August and September. This is a group. Largely, the core of this group did it last year. They got over the hump, and and it was a trade during this week that was as significant as anything. Going for it and going and getting Luis Castillo, who in big moments in August and September last year and in the playoffs was phenomenal, phenomenal and they went out and got them, extended them, and yeah, I I've got a strong feeling on what I would like to see this week. They got to go. They got to go get at least one, if not two, if not more. I think you've got to be hyper aggressive this week. And it's not even because they've earned the right through 99 games. It is because as you just said, the acquisition phase that you have, the ways that you have to build a baseball team I think the season that A.J. Pollock and Colton Wong have had is going to tell other free agents, and, and Teo for that matter as well, like, yep, if there was already fear and reservation about coming to, and playing in that park, those long-established veteran guys that came here this year and put up these numbers, I think is going to create a further fear factor and scare factor for other agents with other veteran players. So you don't have that same <clears> – <throat> And I'm not even talking spending money or your budget, even if you want to. You don't have that same level playing field you do with some of your competitors in Texas and in Houston and in Anaheim and in those places. So from an acquisition standpoint, you've got to be hyper aggressive this week. Well, if there's one thing we know
0: about Jerry DePoto with that, he is fairly aggressive. He yep. likes to make trades. He likes when that is on the table. It wasn't really this offseason. People didn't want to make trades. Whereas at the deadline, that does seem to be the thing. In terms of buying, however, certainly in terms of rental bats, Jerry has been pretty clear and was on Thursday that this team has not done enough to deserve it.
3: We've really exercised a full organizational, I I guess, we've tapped into our organizational depth to play to this point. I'm not sure that there's much more there that we can go tap into. We are headed into the trade deadline. We've not really separated ourselves in a meaningful way to, to be aggressive on the buying end. But you know, we are constantly trying to find ways to make ourselves better and we'll use these next couple of weeks of July to to consider those ways, whether it's whether it's better to, to make a push for the twenty-three season or to better situate ourselves for twenty four.
1: Well, I think these four guys in the, these names that you started to to see and, and Mora and Justin both you know put it in their notes last night, mm-hmm. Tommy Pham, Marcana, Cody Bellinger, Lane Thomas. Uh, any of those four, if not two or three of those four, make your group a whole lot better. And the fact that Colton Wong is still getting significant bats, And I know on this homestand he had a couple big hits, um, but it, it he's a negative 1.4 player. I mean, it is. He's been terrible. 157, 240, 208 slugging. It's a 448 on-base plus slugging through 200 about I mean, this is just – it's – untenable it's an untenable situation aj finally thankfully they put him to rest on the il a little bit because likewise it just is a you're 547 ops a negative war once again like this is just these are just anchors so as you're trying to turn as you're trying to win some of these series trying to get a sweep can i just have competent just competency and of those four names that i just mentioned right there i mean lane thomas has been more than that Bellinger has been much, much more than that. Canna is a guy that has played on the West Coast in Oakland for a lot of years, has come up and understands how to hit in this ballpark. And Tommy Pham is seemingly a name that's been thrown around for almost, I don't know. I got to tell you, man, of those names, I'm intrigued
0: with Logan Thomas. Cody Bellinger, you get for the rest of this year, and then he can opt out at the end of this year. He's got a one, a mutual option. Lane Thomas. Sorry, L- what Logan did I say? Logan Thomas,
1: the old Virginia the old Tech quarterback. Sorry, Lane Thomas, excuse
0: me. Uh, Lane Thomas, intriguing, because you get him until 2026. Yep. Tommy Fam, I don't want any part of. I'm sorry. I, it's There's too much drama. There's too much going on around him all the time. I, I just don't think that I could... I'm not saying he's Milton Bradley because he's not, mm-hmm. but it's a volatility that I would not welcome into this clubhouse right now, okay. given where this team is at and what they need to do to kind of get back to where they need to be. Cody Bellinger, I love the player. I love that he, I would have loved to have seen them try to sign him in the offseason, but he's on a one year deal with a mutual option for next year. And so if you're Cody Bellinger after a good season, why would you play the next year at $12.5 million when you could walk out and get more money somewhere else? So I don't know Okay, that so
1: Lane, Thomas, Mark Canna. I think those would be the two of those four that I would agree Mark with.
0: Mark Canna, I can, I can have some conversation about. He's 32, four. 34, yeah. right? We talked about him a little bit last week. Veteran player, good at bats. Sure. I mean, that's not a significant move, but yeah, all right. If you want to bring in Mark Canna to be your fourth outfielder, great. But, Brock, well, you told me, you
1: said you wanted significant moves. Yes. Marcana's not a significant move. For this roster, he'd be a significant move. (laughs) He'd be an upgrade. Thomas, for this roster, would be a significant move. They would be significant upgrades, significant moves for a team that is still pitching and defending and competing and playing in a way that deserves, frankly, deserves it. I mean, the fact that these two, unfortunately, that A.J. and Colton have played now, A.J., not as much. Colton is still playing significant amount. I know, and it's just oh, painful, and and I hate this, and I hate this reaction, and it's. But I am a fan. And I'm I'm not going to hide that. I am an emotional, at times, irrational fan. And after overcoming the playoff drought from a season ago and all of the goodwill and all of the emotion and the 350,000 people that came in there over the last 10 days, right? When you talk about feeding the beast and feeding the enthusiasm and feeding that and priming the pump of your fans that are in, they want to be in. And it's been a turbulent in this year. I think that they deserve at least one, if not two, of those guys and those bats to make a move and, and go compete. Well, those guys aren't free. I mean, like you no, want to go not.
0: get them, you're going to have to go
1: give up and something fir- of value okay. to go get them. So those are the, that's the first wave of it. Then the next wave of it is, other than, Jay, other than Julio and, and Kirby, everybody else is on the table. I think everybody else has got to be on that table. And I would love to see Tao continue to get a little bit hot here. <laughs> now, obviously, if you, if you move him for a Lane Thomas or whatever you're going to do, for some again, for some long-term vision. And Jerry I mean, hinted at that. That's making two different trades, uh, right? Totally understood. Yeah. Absolutely. But Jerry kind of hinted at that, you we know. Did. Over the last few weeks, buying the- and selling
0: has always been a possibility for them. He was very clear on Thursday that selling is just a straight up option. No, and it
3: never has been. You know, I, I think in, in when you've asked that question in the past, I've always tried to answer it as as honestly as I can. We are always, you know, one foot in camp of buyer and one foot in the camp of the seller, believing that the best way to approach any trade deadline is with the mindset of how do we make the Mariners better and. And that's a it's a broad question that can be answered in a lot of ways. And,
1: and by the way, that is different today than it was twenty four months ago, than it was four years ago, than it was fourteen years ago. Like how and in and, and for your organization, I think that is what has struck me the most through last year's trade deadline, through this offseason, is your acquisition phase. It is not a level playing field. So how you then go about it, the creativity that it may take, sometimes You know, if you're not going to overpay and way overpay in free agency, and I understand that, then is there a time where I'm, wait, I'm sorry, we're going to have to overpay on this trade a little bit. But in order to get a piece for the next three or four years, that's what we...
0: And they did that last year. I mean, that's what they did for Castillo. They went harder after Castillo than anybody else did, which is why they beat out the Yankees for him. which is why they ended up advancing past the Yankees in the playoffs last year. And people were, you know, pointing to that for good reason. They were hyper-aggressive when it came to going out and acquiring Luis Castillo. And if there was a Luis Castillo available right now, that that kind of player, Mm -hmm. Brock, I'm right there with you. The Mariners absolutely need to make moves to improve their roster long-term. I think first and third base, the corner infield spots are all of the sudden very much in play. I'm not just looking at the outfield. I'm very much looking at what you're going to do long-term at first base, at second base, and at third base. I think all of them need to be... Question marks that need to be filled out for the Mariner. So in terms of having moves to make, I'm there with you. I don't see a player necessarily that fits in the same Luis Castillo mold. Now, maybe there's somebody available that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. But when I'm reading and I read all the time, all the trade rumor stuff, those four guys you mentioned, yeah, they'd help. I mean, like, not Tommy Pham, I'm I'm out on that, and, and I don't know that, that Bellinger's the right fit mm-hmm. contract-wise for them, just in terms mm-hmm. of where he's at. But yeah, those other two guys would help. Are they going to significantly change your roster? No. And maybe you don't need to. And that's sort of what I would come back to. When you say, Brock, and you wrote this last night. Uh-oh, it was an irrational spot. I don't even know about I wrote. Well, just saying that, that, that perception matters a lot this week, I just don't think that you can afford to think that way. I don't think you can afford to pay any attention to perception. You have to build the best baseball team you can. You cannot start listening to the noise outside that says you need this, you need that, you need this. You have to trust yourself and and do what it is that you believe is best for the organization. Are people going to be mad if they sell? Yeah, of course
1: they are. But, But you have to do what's right for your organization. Did I trust Molly? Did I trust my wife? I did. When we were looking for homes and looking at them, and here's the budget, and here's the numbers, and this is what I can do, and this is what I'm right. comfortable with, and this is what I like, and, you know, there was like one house available, and we walked it, bless that family's heart, three different times, and Molly's like, we got to do it. I'm like, this just isn't, this This one just isn't the right one. This just isn't, and then the broker says, well, let me take you up the hill, ah. and this one's out of your range. It's not what you're wanting to pay, but let me just show you the difference, Right. <laughs> Is is a good agent would do. Right. She waited until there was just some emotion involved, and then guess what? We drive up the hill, we walk in the you door. Know, well, maybe sold if we do. Sold this. to the lady in the second row. She's an eight. She's a nine. She's a ten. I know she got ruby red <laughs> lips, blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm gonna be my heart goodbye, and that's exactly what happened when they walked in. My daughters and Molly like sold done, and you know what? Kind of had to swallow. <clears throat> Because this is pretty great. (laughs) This place is pretty amazing. You know what? And then you start to rationalize. I can make it work. I'll do that. And you know what? If you're going to have to, this week, overpay. Overpay with something on the current major league roster, something within your system I'm not overpaying with Julio and Kirby. Absolutely not foundational building blocks. But is everything and anything else? Is Jared Kelnick on the table? Is Paul Seawald on the table? Is JP Crawford on the table? Or is every other Mariner in your organization top down on the table? Has to be. Has to be. I'm sure they are. I just, I, I'm not sure that I
0: see where you're able to bring back the foundational pieces that you're talking about. What seems more likely to me. Brock, if you're talking about opening up your roster for deals, and by the way, I'm with you on that. Like, I, if if I'm looking at this can't roster, can't trade Munoz, can't trade Seawall. Can, what are you talking about? You all of every all of those guys are tradable, absolutely. But if I'm I'm willing to bet, what we're going to look at is not going to be going big after Marcana, which I think in your in, behind
1: you don't actually want to do that. Oh, Mark Cannon's not a go big guy. Any, I don't think he has that kind of value. Anyway. Lane Thomas, like I, I don't think you actually no. want to go big after those guys.
0: You are looking for the kind of names that aren't really available, or if they are, they're probably older than you really want to go big after Nolan Arenado mm-hmm. or Paul Goldschmidt, like those kind of. You probably don't really want to go that hard after them because they're old, and and that's probably not the direction yep. you want to be spending all your resources on. What I think we may end up seeing are deals for guys like a Thai France, and I'm not saying he's going to be dealt with somebody like that, where you are bringing back, and you're going to hate when I say this, oh an Abraham Toro kind of a player. Not because that player is the same as Abraham Toro, who I know broke your heart because oh. you just hated him so much. Oh but that sort of hey he's been up in the league a little bit somebody sees upside yeah. you have a you're taking a chance on a controllable piece you're not trading for guys in mm-hmm. double a mm-hmm. you're probably not even trading for guys in triple a but you're trading for a guy who's been up he's shown some major league talent essentially like Ty France when you traded for him mm-hmm. like Mitch Haniger when you traded for him yep. like Abraham Toro now two of those three have worked out better than the other but that seems to be the kind, if I look at Jerry's oh, past, yep. that's it, much more so than trying to go after a Mark Hanna or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. That's just not his M.O. at all. Lane Thomas fits better, right? But even he's been up and down. He's been in the league since 2019. Like, that's not a brand new player. He's only 28. I mean, like, he's having still... Having a
1: great year. Those numbers are crazy. and no idea. Yeah, he's having a really good year. Yes. No, you're, when push comes to shove, and, and those two names you just mentioned are probably the two names that push and shove me the same way, and that's Goldschmidt and Arenado. You no know, Cardinals organization that you've done business with in the past that that you made a, a pretty significant trade with that is having a really down year that are absolutely sellers that are like twelve games under five hundred, and is there enough in your kitty like a Logan Gilbert and others to say, hey, what, are are your corner infielders available? Well, Jerry, everything's available, right? Now I'm playing the voice of the St. Louis. Well, what what are you talking about? Everything's available. Well, what what would it take to get a Nolan or to get – because, Mike, those positions now, because of this performance this year and this unsteadiness this year, as you said, first base, Mm -hmm. (laughs) second base, right field, third base – there's some waves. There's some guys, you know, in, in bats in your well, system. Man, I, I could be convinced
0: on Arenado. He's 32 years old. His salary goes down over time. I don't know what you got to give up to get him. I mean, that certainly changes the conversation because it's not like St. Louis is going to give him away for free, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they gave up a lot to get him, and, and they're not just going to give him away.
1: So... I, I- would you trade, I mean, would you trade Logan Gilbert, Harry Ford, and... For Cole, Nolan Arnauto? In the, you know, the, the young shortstop from last year's draft class, would you trade those three for Nolan, Nolan Arnauto? Probably not. Would you? Well, according to my email last night, I would. But then again, when I get kind of pushed right to the edge of it, it's it's hard to swallow That'd that. That'd be pretty hard for me to do. Honestly.
0: That'd be pretty hard for me to do. And it's not that I don't like Arnauto. I mean, he's a really good player. That'd be... Pretty hard and for not
1: probably man. got a no trade clause, so I'm, I, he, he may be able to. V, I'm going to guess at this stage. I day, don't age, think so. Age? Oh, no, he's not
0: a 10 5 guy. They haven't been with them for five years. Hmm. So, no, I don't think so. I think, he, I mean,
1: I'm pretty sure he's tradable, but. Yeah, he forced his way out of Colorado. He's got a little edge to him. I don't Are know, you saying
0: that Tubtime Time Brock is like a, a more generous
1: yeah. trader? Yeah. Yeah. oh. 8.45 a.m. Brock. Oh, no question. You get me at night. Yeah, I think we even uh, walked through that house in the in the I mean, look, in the twilight. You, yes. you, you want
0: an argument for what you're saying? This year, Nolan Arenado is a two point something WAR player, two point six something like that, yeah. and Logan Gilbert's one point three. So there's an argument to be
1: made. And JP is at 3.0? I'm sorry, it's
0: 2.1 versus 1.3. Okay,
1: and the only guys on your roster that are better than that this year are JP at 3 and Julio still 2.4. Right.
0: So, I mean, like, but, but think about that. 2.1, mm-hmm. what is that worth? Well, you just said Julio's at 2.4. Right. So when you're talking about Nolan Arenado, you're talking about a player that has been less valuable this year yeah. than Julio Rodriguez. Right. Is that something you want to go huge after? By the way, he's 32. He's not likely to be improving over the next few years the nope. way Julio is. Nope. I'm not – again, like, I get it. You want, to, you want to go make a splash. That's fun. I do too. I would love for this team to get better. I don't think they're going to get better by getting significantly older. What do you think? And, and,
1: and we don't know this for sure, but if you had to, to, to guess – What do you think when they called Pittsburgh in the offseason for Brian Reynolds? What do you think that asking price was then? I think Pittsburgh said no. They just flat out said no. I think they just said, we're not trading them. We're Mm going to sign them. Okay.
0: Like, I I just think they said no. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, maybe they said, hey, George Kirby, et cetera. And the Mm -hmm. mayor's like, okay, well, obviously we're not going to do that. Yeah, But I, I think they just said no.
2: I think that was the reports we were hearing. They just weren't even really entertaining.
0: Yeah. We're just like, no. Hey, look,
1: you want to give up Julio? Cool. We'll have a conversation. So there is no other Brian Reynolds out there that Not you see? Not this I don't, you I don't in and see you that look at all these rosters and all these teams? I don't see it. Maybe, maybe
0: there is one. I mean, look, am I intrigued by a Nolan Arenado? Yes. Depending on the cost, Brock, of course that would be Interesting. But I think most of what you're looking at are either marginal upgrades with veteran players, and I don't think the Mariners have proven. I mean, that's what Jerry is saying. They haven't proven themselves worthy of going to get a Marcana. If they had, if they had gone seven and three on this homestand, and they found themselves two and a half back or something like that, you'd be like, "Yeah, go get a Marcana." He could absolutely help you and replace what the production you were getting from Kelnick, et cetera. Yes. I'd be there with you. Mm -hmm. But for a year and a half of Mark Canna at age 34 and 35, you want to give up part of your future. I would have a really hard Mm -hmm. time doing it because it's just not worth the, the, the bang for the buck. What you've got to do is find a way to be creative. And that's the word Jerry used when he joined us on Thursday. It's
3: a very average offensive team. And we have to find a way to become better than average. And, uh, it's gonna. It's going to take some. It's going to require some creative moves because we don't have uh, a next wave of bats at AAA ready to come and and push us over that edge. And we need our young players to to step forward, moving forward. And and we're probably going to need to to address something from outside as well.
0: That tells me creative types of moves. It tells me it's not what you've been thinking about, right? No. It's not Marcana, Tommy no. Fam, like it's That's right. It's digging and looking at some guys that maybe are not names that you know of right now. I don't just mean names you don't know that are available. Names you don't know, mm-hmm. right? Like when Mitch Hanniger was acquired, did anybody here know who Mitch Haniger was when he was acquired for two guys that had had some pretty good seasons for the Mariners at the time? No. In fact, Gene Segura was the bigger name in the deal, but it turned out Haniger was the better player. Mm-hmm. Did anybody know who Ty France was when he was acquired? Anybody know who Andres Munoz was when he was acquired? Who Matt Brash was when he was acquired? I mean, all the remember when they made the deal with 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 San Diego? Who was the biggest name in that deal? Taylor Trammell. Mm-hmm. Well, he hadn't been the best player at all, right? First of all, it was Terrens, and then it's been Munoz and Fr- like. It, Brock, I think that's the direction that he's going to end up going, just what my gut tells me, because that's what he's always done in the past,
1: and that's where he's had the most success. I hear that, and I think that's probably largely right. And if I had to go up to the casino and bet my own shekels, I think you're probably right. Maybe creative is also, gosh, we're going to just have to do a lot of guys on this active major league roster. Mm. That, that maybe creative is, you know, a seawall. It is. Uh, you know, I, I mean, J.P.'s having an unbelievable year. Like, you would be, you know, selling it is very, very high. Now he is just like the engine. He's the one yeah. trustworthy guy in peace through this offensive I'm, I'm season. Not, I'm not opposed to an idea like that. By the way, like
0: I, I think every. I'm with you that everyone should be available. To be traded. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, other than Julio and Kirby, I don't think there's anyone in this roster. So is roster. there
1: a Padres? Is there a Mets? Is there a Cardinals? Is there an, another team that is underperforming? I'm sure they're having these- those conversations. And for a younger player, I mean, look, for when we talked about
0: Tatis, yeah, Brock, I'm willing to have that conversation about going huge after. You want to talk about trading Logan Gilbert as part of a package for Fernando Tatis Jr.? Mm-hmm. I'm in. You want to talk about trading J.P. Crawford to allow Tatis to play second be- or shortstop, rather? I'm in. I think there's some real conversations to be had where you're creative, but you're going to have to. It's it's mo- first of all, those are real hard to pull off, yep. Because most teams don't want to trade Tatis guys of that caliber does have a
1: no trade clause, right? His deal which passes.
0: And I'm sure, and boy, would he love to come to Seattle and watch yeah. all his home runs get caught at the warning track. Yeah. I mean, like these are these are real concerns. But I'm I'm open to the idea of aggressive. Mm-hmm. I'm not open to the idea of stupid, and I'm really not open to the idea of doing it for
1: perception. So you're good. You can't like, think that way. B aggressive. B e aggressive. <laughs> yes. B yes. A g g r e s s i v e. Now B aggressive. B e. I'm going to leave that on Jerry's phone. <laughs> I think you would love that, right? <laughs> I think you would. Yeah. Good yeah. luck, Jerry. I got just a little trade message for you. Be <laughs> aggressive. Yeah. B e aggressive.
0: Leave your house analogy on there too for you. Yeah.
1: Because that too. Yeah. Yep. Do
0: that. Perfect. All right. All bro- Brock talks here. about buying the house like like my generation talks about like splurging for an appetizer.
3: Like yeah, let's go up the hill, <laughs> <laughs> swallows and a little bit. More. Just an actual.
0: thing like of potato skins. Here, we'll go big. Oh, you know you know what. They do have shrimp cocktail. Like, mm, it's another swallow, $4. Swallow After hard.
1: such an emotional roller coaster of 100 games. <laughs> right. like this is, this is a week. I, I, I want to yeah. be overwhelmed. I want to be just like, wow. I, I would be very surprised if that's the case. Uh, not impossible, but I would be surprised because
0: more often than not, the names that Jerry targets are not ones that are very familiar yep. to everybody else. All right, coming up, uh, we are just two days away from Seahawks training camp. We know a little bit about this team, but not enough. We will try to figure that out together next.